welcome back to another edition of Radio Free USA. I'm your host this week, Tarek, along with my co-host, Rahul. Rahul, how's it going? Fantastic. I know it's been a, it's been a few weeks for our loyal listeners, but we're back and better than ever. Um, there's been a lot going on, so you know I think it was imperative for us to get back on track. We, we've been on a world tour, I think, across Asia and Europe and the North America and just fucking Antarctica, the moon. You know, we, we've been all over the place. We've been all over the place, and we also um, we're you know you'll you'll probably wonder okay like you know what what was going on and the truth is we were actually separated um from one another uh on a bus traveling into the united states by ice agents uh, we don't like to talk about it but because it's father's day i thought i would uh come clean and and uh and admit that uh i am rahul's father uh and actually uh, we were separated on the um no! star wars <laughs> style <laughs> Anyway, it's it is Father's Day uh, and Happy World Cup, Rahul. Are you are you watching the the soccer action? Uh somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, as as Americans, it's a little disappointing not to have uh, the good old U.S. of A. represented, but it's still exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's 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 an exciting international event. It's an exciting event, and um, Trump's you know pretty pretty sad today because Mexico won. Uh, and I thought it was a little ironic, Rahul, that Mexico, the United States, and Canada won their joint bid to host the 2026 World Cup in North America. So that's pretty interesting. Although it'll be um, it'll be probably a bit odd given the fact that there will be a massive wall between the United States and Mexico at that stage, and we probably would have fought a, a war with Canada given the way things are going. So um, that brings us actually into our first topic today, Rahul, uh, the f- thawing of relations with North Korea, but the cooling of relationships with our allies. Uh, and Rahul, the, the G7 summit happened um, within the last two weeks, and there were big, big issues between Canada and the United States that came out of it. What did you think of the Trump uh Trudeau Twitter war. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was disgraceful. The just the behavior of of Trump in front of with our allies. Like, I, I, I'm not one. I'm not. I don't think I'm as conspiratorially minded as maybe you and some of our friends are around like direct Russian collusion. Like the. I mean, it does seem like it probably happened, but the, things like the G7 summit, just like. It seems inexplicable that you would talk as chief executive of the United States to talk to our friends and just like badmouth them to the to their face. Basically, um, it sounds it's it just seems so stupid at a minimum. Even if like even if Trump had any ideals, like you know, around like okay, uh, let's be a little more isolationist and let's like you know try to bring jobs back to America theoretically or something. You know, manufacturing jobs. Uh, pissing off germany and the eu and canada like seems like a bad approach like you should try to win the support of your allies on like well how do we you know move forward and you know in enrich each of our countries and you know um make sure that i don't know that like it it sounds so stupid at a minimum that i think it enhances the idea that like is he 
literally just like working for Putin. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's that, and um, and I like how you mentioned the conspiratorial mindedness because that did cross my mind when one of the first things Trump said when he got to the summit was that they should let Russia back into the G7 and make it the G8 again, which it's like uh, Trevor Noah had a great bit on the Daily Show that. Um, you know, it's like the last thing you would do, let's say, if, you're, if your girlfriend thought you were having an affair with another woman named Keisha, the last thing you'd want to do is keep bringing up Keisha's name, right? Right. <laughs> and he ended up, he kept bringing up Putin and Russia and that they should let him back in and they should be at the table. So, uh, and Rahul, when you, when you talk about like the idea of, you know, pissing off our allies and you'd think it would be about togetherness, the um, the the whole thing that got you know, Trump and Trudeau fighting on Twitter. And even though it was a one one sided affair where Trudeau really took the high ground and Trump was just, you know, sending his goons out on um, the Sunday shows and and tweeting obscenities um, is the fact that there was a communique that is is bog standard. Uh, Every G7 summit, they release, you know, a, a, a joint statement and all of the heads of state sign it. And what ended up happening this time was that it simply said in the communique that, you know, the G7 countries, uh, the United States, Canada, Britain, France, Italy, Germany and Japan agreed on the need for free, fair and mutually beneficial trade and the importance of fighting protectionism. And Trump couldn't sign that. Couldn't sign that. He couldn't put his name to that um, because he thinks, quote, um, that the U.S. paid close to the entire cost of NATO to help protect countries that, quote, rip us off on trade. So there you go. Uh, but he doesn't agree with, you know, protecting our allies. He doesn't agree in trying to enhance trade between the, you know, seven of the, of the largest economies in the world. Uh, he just thinks that, you know, we're, we're getting a bad deal here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's fucking disgraceful. Like my, my reaction online would be like a SMDH. Basically, this is so stupid. Uh, and what worries me actually more than like, I, th- I think the world re- or, you know, the, our Western allies recognize like Trump's a fucking idiot. Like, why is he even here? Uh, what worries me a little more is like in the post Trump era and we s- maybe we swing back to a little more internationalist mentality and our, our word becomes um, unreliable. Right. Like this, this happened with the the Iran deal that like, you know, Trump pulled out just because, you know, I don't know, Obama made fun of him one time in 2011. Uh, you know, post, yeah. there's going to be a post-Trump day, hopefully sooner rather than later. And, you know, maybe if we have time today, we can also allude to, you know, there, there are a lot of primaries that happened recently. I think Democrats did really well. Uh, you know, we, we have it. We can take back the fucking country from like uh, insanity. And it'll be weird to go back to the G7 in like, you know, 2021 and be like oh never forget all the things that that dementia addled uh you know idiot was saying like actually we're on board with you and then you know rightfully so like those countries should like be hesitant to you know trust our word you know it's like oh you you went insane for four years and you know now 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 we're cool yeah exactly when when, um when Colin Kaepernick is president of the united states uh it's there's an it's an alternate universe (laughs) um yeah, like uh, I, I think Rahul, the like the the thing that comes to mind is, do we have any allies left who Trump has not criticized? And there was that that video, um, sorry, the the photo that went viral of Merkel, you know, peering over the table with her hands down, leaning over, and Trump with his arms crossed like a child. 
Uh, and you can see John Bolton, who is the national security advisor sitting, standing in the background, who is a maniac and thinks that we should go to war with Iran and North Korea. And these are the people who are advising the president to you know, refuse to sign joint communiques on trade with, with our closest allies. So it, it's, it's very, very frustrating. And uh, did you see the, um, the, the comments that uh, his, his uh, spokespeople made on the Sunday shows, Rahul, where you know, I think one of them was there's a special place in hell for people who um, you know, make false statements about the president of the United States in reference to Justin Trudeau uh, and, and Larry Kudlow the economic advisor, you know, and former Fox News host came on and uh, I think maybe meet the press and said that, you know, the president will not display any signs of weakness and Trudeau stabbed him in the back. Uh, And the reason why, you know, President Trump had to be so firm was because he was on his way to North Korea afterwards and he didn't want to show any signs of weakness there. So, uh, I mean, it's 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 very, it's very, very, it's fucking stupid and it's really frustrating. And, And it's a segue into the fact that Trump was going to South to North Korea. Um, and so he picks a fight with our closest allies, then hops on a plane and goes to a military dictatorship who are our sworn enemies at, at the moment and have been for 50 or 60 years, Rahul, um, to shake hands with Kim Jong-un. Um, and the media narrative coming out of this meeting in Singapore is that Trump deserves the Nobel Peace Prize for, quote, solving the North Korea problem. Rahul, um, would you go as far as to nominate Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, (laughs) um, I I would say uh, earnestly no. This This sounds like it was a very stupid interaction I, like i was i was thrown aback but like the idea of of diplomacy is is a good idea but um the reason why we've had such a frosty relationship with north korea is because north korea sucks so much and to to get to the table with them to talk about it to like breach divides and kind of like try to um rely upon our our alliances with south korea and such and be very and China and try to like figure out a very delicate situation is such that we shouldn't be fucking like giving automatic concessions or treating Kim Jong Un like a fucking hero uh, automatically. And it, it seems like there was like this is a very thoughtless um, meeting. And you know, wh- like one thing that worried me going into it also was that uh, Trump was going to have a. Or I, th- I think he did have. Uh, or I think there are two meetings, but the first meeting was Trump, Kim Jong Un, and their translators. Nobody else. So it, anything could be discussed in there, and both of them are fucking liars, and both of them are going to turn back to their own like respective state medias and say, like, I just achieved the greatest thing for my country of all time. And that's sort of what happened. You know, like, they, I don't know, they discuss something, and I think Trump, like, agreed to, like, giving up military exercise with the South Koreans or something. I don't think that, did the North Koreans give up anything? Like, this is, this no. is such a yeah, it's such a complicated conversation, more complicated than the Iran deal that went through in 2015, where it's like, all right, what in in exchange for de- denuclearization, uh, like we'll give you some sanctions relief. And but we need like a timeline and like inspectors that will come in and verify it. Like we're, we're not nearly at that state with North Korea. And in fact, North Korea's nuclear program is way further along than Iran's was. And Trump rejected the Iran deal, saying, like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, we got a bad deal. Like, what the fuck is he expecting from North Korea? And I think he just walked away from it being like, 
I, I have a new friend now, like or something like that. Absolutely, and it, like as much as it pains me to say this, Rahul, it really, really pains me to say this. This was an example. The photo op, in particular, of Trump shaking hands with Kim Jong Un, is an example of why Trump is brilliant at hoodwinking Republican voters because all they're going to see, they're not going to read about it like you and I. They're not going to like understand the, that the, the, the true fact of the matter is here. The U.S. gave up two huge things in the negotiation and North Korea gave up nothing. We sus- agreed to suspend large-scale military drills with South Korea. And we all, the North Koreans, at least, are claiming that Trump agreed to lift sanctions. And North Korea gave up absolutely nothing. They just committed to nuclear disarmament. I mean, the, actually, the, the, the thing is, sorry to interrupt, but like, I think yeah. Trump just doesn't give a shit about any anything else. Like, he thinks he probably thinks Kim Jong Un is cool now. You know, he probably does for, for starving his own people and for like assassinating like opponents in in within the government and stuff. Like, he's just he, he doesn't care about like international world order. He's just like, oh, this is my friend. He's also powerful, and like maybe he got some pointers from Kim Jong Un about how to like subjugate your own people or something. I think you're I think you're right because he did say quote about Kim. He's a funny guy. He's very smart. He's the head of a country, and I mean he's the strong head. He speaks and his people sit up in attention. I want my people to do the same. That should terrify each and every person in the United States of America and frankly the world. The fact that Trump is fawning over Kim Jong-un and says that he wishes his people would stand at attention like the North Koreans do. So I think you're right, Rahul. He doesn't care about anything else other than the fact that he you know, was able to shake hands. There's a photo op. He's going to run on that, and the, and he's going to say, "I solved," like he has tweeted, Rahul, "I've solved the North Korea problem," and he's just going to trot out this photo of him and Kim and say, "Look at that." The de- Obama and, Obama couldn't do that. Yeah, and and objectively, obviously, he has, he has not. Uh, like you know, there's there's so much like more regional drama than just like Trump shaking hands with Kim Jong Un. Like I I don't know what this accomplishes is whatsoever. In, in fact, like. It's it's a net benefit to North Korea and nothing to the international world order. Like it empowers Kim yeah. Jong Un. It does empower Kim Jong Un. Trump admitted after after the fact that I think in an interview with the New York Times that it added legitimacy to the North Korean regime by meeting with the United States. And the real winner here, as Fareed Zakaria pointed out in, on uh, GPS this morning, is China, who wasn't even there. It didn't have to lift a finger at all in any of this. Um, because China has had two objectives. One, uh, to stabilize the threat from North Korea, the nuclear threat. And two, to disarm basically the alliance between the United States uh, and South Korea. And basically do whatever they can to drive a wedge between military exercises there. So China is the real winner here, not the United States. China and North Korea. Um, and yet, uh, again, back to our previous uh, conversation, Rahul, he's picked fights with our closest allies uh, in the G7. And yet he goes over there, shakes hands with a guy who you know starves his own people, killed his half-brother, right? To, once he was, you know, once he assumed the high office and Trump was over there saying uh, fawning over the fact that he was able to take control at, at such a young age of a country. I mean, it's absolute bullshit. But I have a question for you, Rahul. Does Dennis Rodman deserve the Nobel Peace Prize in all of this? 
I think so. I mean, you know, despite the fact that back in like 1998, Dennis Rodman kicked a cameraman in the groin uh, it, during a game, <laughs> he's he's mostly been a peaceful fellow, I suppose. Um, and I get, maybe marrying Carmen Electra briefly, maybe that's a violent act as well. It was just violent act on pop culture. Um, but yeah, no, I would nominate um, Dennis Rodman for the Nobel Peace Prize for sure. Um, did you and, see him? Did you see him break down on CNN? You know, and say, I didn't like, see the full clip, but I saw like a <laughs> screenshot of it. Like it just looked absurd. This, uh, he's wearing a MAGA hat, right? <laughs> yeah, like he was. He was breaking down. He was like trying to be humble. He's like, I can't take credit for this. We did it, you know. And I just <laughs> knew they were such good men. <laughs> yeah, it's like him. Yeah, he. Like, yeah, it's it. It's probably like him in the '98 finals or something, where he's like, I, "Look, I didn't do everything. Maybe Michael Jordan did something, but you know, like this is such a beautiful moment." Um, so, who, so and, who's Michael Jordan and who's Scottie Pippen between Kim Jong Un and Donald Trump? Um, oh. I guess Kim Jong Un is MJ and Trump is Scottie Pippen or something. Okay. Yeah. 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 That, there's that no. Sense. There's no Utah Jazz in this situation. The Utah Jazz is the American people. <laughs> exactly. And, and may, maybe that uh, North Korean general who Trump saluted is Tony Tony Kukoc or something. Yeah. Because, uh... <laughs> right. No. That, that was something I wanted to mention as well. Like that visual was very funny. I mean, obviously it was like very stupid in Trump's part in and in line with the, the million stupid things he does every week. I, when I saw that like clip, I think obviously he did not think about it it was just like he he goes for a handshake the guy doesn't give him a handshake and instead goes for a salute and trump is like all right i'm gonna salute you, you know, just like, <laughs> like absolutely and, and simple that, minded. that's a moment it's simple mind and that's a moment where I, I i oscillate between thinking trump is a master marketer and a moron and i think he's 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 both but I, moments like that make me think Maybe he is just a moron, and you know, even a broke clock is is right twice a day. You know, he he, he, he on the one hand, like we're I think as liberals, at least the ones of us who are who are trying to sort of make sense of it all, are like, oh well, Trump knows that no matter what happens, like I mentioned earlier, he's got a photo with him and Kim Jong Un. Idiots on the right are going to think that means peace. Trump, you know, made peace with our enemy. Uh, isn't he great? You know, and then then there's the image of him saluting a fucking North Korean general, and and you're just like, okay, like he clearly is just a is is a, a bumbling buffoon. But um, yeah, the, to go back to what actually happened there, Rahul, you mentioned they were behind closed doors, so no one knows what really happened, and the North Koreans are claiming that Trump agreed to lift sanctions and suspend the war games, as Trump uh, calls them, with South Korea. Um, and this this whole term disarmament, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, getting rid of their nuclear weapons. It means that over time, they will begin to disarm the apparatus that allows them to create nuclear weapons. And that's things like, you know, blowing up uh, test facilities like they've done recently. Um, and but to be honest with you, some some um, analysts say that the test facilities that they agreed to sort of you know, um, shutter were actually destabilized because they had launched so many tests there that, that literally like the, the site was not fit to, to run another test. So Trump yeah, got hoodwinked in all I, of this. And, and I think it's worth noting also, if we compare, like if we want to compare these di- discussions with North Korea, with maybe the analogy of discussing nuclear disarmament with Iran, uh, 
North Korea is way further along in their nuclear program than Iran was at that time. So, like, I, th- I forgot what the, what the figure was, but it was something like Iran had, like, three facilities or something or, like, the you know, the, the, the scale was quite small. And, you know, the and the U.S., you know, diplomatically agreed yeah. to, like, all right, like, how, how do we relieve sanctions and, you know, um, show good faith effort that they're, that they're disarming? Uh, North Korea is way further along. So it like something like they might have like over 100 facilities or something. And uh, to negotiate... And hundreds of warheads. Hundreds right, exactly. Warheads. So so to, so to, to even object, to, even if we had like a, you know, competent president in there, uh, to negotiate such a deal would be very difficult, right? And we're, we're nowhere close to that. And in fact, like Trump's more just like emboldened them uh, just because he's like vain and stupid, and just likes the photo opportunity to hang out with fucking fat short Kim Jong Un, you know. Absolutely, no. Uh, who he admires, uh, which is equally depressing, Rahul. Um, and, but you know, I I, uh, I I think it's time to to move on into to our next uh, segment, which is really on the other big news of the week, Rahul. It broke on Friday. Lock him up. Paul Manafort is going to jail Rahul for witness tampering uh, regarding how he illegally hid income from the IRS uh, relating to Ukrainian lobbying um, money that he made. So Rahul, Paul Manafort is going to jail for three months uh, while he awaits trial. And uh, it feels really good. Is it wrong of me to to say that? Yeah, it does feel good. I mean, like, uh, I think anytime some ob- objective kind of like um, uh, accomplishment within the, you know, investigation takes place, like, I think I think it's good when, when we have indictments and, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Paul Manafort. Uh, it is telling that uh, he had been fucking witness tampering while under, you know, under investigation, under, um, uh, like, it, it seems kind of ridiculous. And, uh from my understanding, one of the elements of his um, witness tampering was he was doing what I, I've heard about this before, but it, you know I, I hadn't. I don't think the nation's seen it on this kind of scale. I think they called the term foldering or something, where basically he created an email account. So imagine like you create a Gmail account or something, and you share the password with your friend. So you know, Tark, you and I share an email account, and I tell you what the password is, and he would write an email, but not send it. Instead, save it into the drafts folder. So therefore, when you, Tarek, like, log in, you can read the draft, uh, the, the draft email, and then maybe send me another one where you, don't, you never hit the send button, but you're okay. saving it in the drafts column. So it's, like, super shady. It sounds like some, like, mafia shit, but in the 21st century, where it's, like, they don't want any evidence of these emails being sent. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, obviously, Manafort's doing some shady bullshit to the point where a judge was like, "Dude, you have to go to jail because like you're a risk to the investigation just by like being there day to day." It's it's funny that you that you mentioned this, uh, the concept of foldering uh, and and the mob because Trump sort of troll tweeted about this whole thing. Didn't know Manafort was the head of the mob. Very unfair in him having to go to jail for three months because the judge Rahul did actually say that she, you know, she can't stop him from doing this again. 
Uh, it's not, she said, quote, it's not middle school. I can't take his phone away from him. So like it's, it is very possible that that they'll do this again. I wonder if it has anything to do legally with the fact that if they don't send the message, uh, it, 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 it's not transmitted and maybe there's no, um, there, there's no grounds for, um, for sort of like, uh, like what, what they'll use for federal charges, which is sort of like things that cross state lines, if that makes sense. Um, because if it's just in a draft folder, then, but it's, it's really interesting, this whole fo- foldering concept. Um, another thing, Rahul, I want to get you to comment on, they asked Trump about Manafort and obviously he pulled his old, he worked for the campaign for a very limited time, very short time. Right. And then Trump said, what some, he said this twice. He said like, well, I think something like, you know, 49 days, I think it was 49 days. And then it was actually 144 days as campaign chairman. So that's almost four times the four X, the amount of time that Trump said um, Manafort worked with him, for him. Yeah, and not- he said it in a way like, oh, yeah, I think he was trying to be precise. Like, where the fuck did he get 49 days from? <laughs> No, I mean, like, obviously, we know that the the president pulls any number. If he ever cites a number, it's straight out of his ass. Like, it's not like it's it's not even like he's pulling the number from a Fox and Friends like thing (laughs) he saw earlier. It's straight out of his ass. So, like, even even if he's saying something relatively accurate, like the number is out of his ass. Uh, But also forty nine. Like, why not just say fifty? Like forty (laughs) nine. Um, yeah, I mean, 49, that's more than the, his percentage of the popular vote, you know, but, um, no, I think also what's funny in that is like Manafort, I mean, he, uh, yeah, he was, he was campaign manager for a few months and, uh, he also got fired for, for like sucking basically like, you know, then Bannon got hired onto it. So it's yeah. true. It's true. It's sort of true that Trump is saying like, oh, like. He wasn't like my manager the entire time, but it was more like it was such a dumpster fire throughout the entire campaign that he had Manafort for a period of a few months during which, like, obviously, like there's this Russia collusion stuff that it seems like it's 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 apparent. And then he got fired because they weren't doing well. Then he hires like racist ass Steve Bannon, uh, who took him to the finish line, I suppose. Um, So he did fire him, but it was it wasn't because like, you know, he was. I don't, it, like it, it wasn't because like Trump disagreed with him on his personality or that he yeah. detected any wrongdoing. It was more just like he hired a bunch of buffoons in general. So exactly. any, anyone that's going to come up in this investigation is a buffoon, you know? Oh, 100 uh, percent. Speaking of buffoons, Michael Cohen uh, apparently <laughs> is is uh, is ready to cooperate with Bob Mueller. Uh, and, and Bill, Bill Maher uh, had a uh, had a, had a great um you know, stand up gig about this, uh, where he said that he's, he's paid, paid for more, uh, paid off more prostitutes than, than, um, uh, you know, than, or no, sorry. He's, he's, he's paid off more porn stars than, um, Ron Jeremy or something like that, like, which, which which is very very interesting, but yeah, Michael Cohen, do you think he's going to sing like a canary? Um, We'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I, honestly, I, I don't know. We'll see. Hope, hope, hopefully, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, one thing you, you mentioned <laughs> the Bill Maher episode the other day. W- one thing I am a little concerned about long term is. Yeah, d- so, did you see the that interview he had with George Will? 
Yeah, w- which part? The part where George Will denied climate change? <laughs> <laughs> not, that, not that part. The part that concerns me was he did mention um, this idea of the constitution, the the constitutionality, oh, yeah. or like the the legality constitutionally of having a special uh, prosecutor. Like, yeah, like a special prosecutor, and theoretically, they need to be confirmed by the Senate. Uh, you know, nominated and, by the president and confirmed. Nominated by yeah. the president and confirmed by the Senate. So I think what is very likely, if in the next year, if you know, even if let's say that let's say our best case scenario, Democrats take the uh, the House and the Senate. Um, even then, if next year Robert Mueller issues like indictments or even not against you know Trump himself, maybe his son, like maybe like you know Manafort and like Flynn and whoever else, like. The right wing media will probably say like, "Well, this is all bullshit anyway." I mean, they've been they've been trying to say this all along, but there might be a constitutional case for the idea that like, well, you know, Robert Mueller was never confirmed by the Senate, you know, like some sort of technicality or something. Um, which, yeah, which would be incredibly frustrating. Oh, um, absolutely. And, so that's something that, I'm. That would, uh, yeah. And that would be them. They're invalidating the whole thing, or just dragging it out even longer. Rahul, I think is what you're saying because they if they could sue. You know, they could they could have it go to the Supreme Court over a matter of years that that invalidates all these indictments. And then it gets to the the last days of the Trump presidency and he just pardons them all anyway. And it's right, all much exactly. to do about nothing. But but what I think, yeah, I, I think that feels like I think that's a worst case scenario for us. And I think our best case scenario is we just need to fucking win. You know, like it, it's more about the, the midterms right now. It's more about yeah. like energizing the base and like uniting the progressives and the the center left and and even those that are moderates that are frustrated by the the trump administration like um i i am encouraged by the the results from the the primaries especially the democratic primaries um i think the republican ones were kind of crazy because like they're a bunch of fucking like crazy racist like nazi types that are that got nominated in their primaries but like if we can keep the enthusiasm up, we can fucking win. And if we win, then we can vote. We can knock the fuck out of him in Congress. Like just like investigate the shit out of his, you know, behaviors and then, you know, win, like change the tide of the country. That would be absolutely epic if, if, if it did happen. And I, and I think it can, um, you know, that what, the, there's only 49 days left until the, the election. <laughs> I, I pulled that stat yeah. out of my ass like Trump. <laughs> 49, 49 is the is the magic number. Yeah, I, I mean, Rahul, the um, I I think I would love to see when you were talking there. I was thinking, okay, strategically, when would if I were Bob Mueller, when would I release all of the goods and all of the indictments that we're waiting for, right? And there's an argument to say, okay, well, don't do it before the midterms. You know, do it after, so it's not accused of you know, politicization, right? Um, but then there's another argument that says, well, if if they don't release it before the midterms and the Republicans, let's say, hold on to the House for some reason, then if they release it next year, it, nothing's going to happen, right? Um, there will be no ramifications, no impeachment, no, but no actions. Like, or my idealist kind of self would say, like, don't, don't consider the midterms like you know whenever the case is solid when, when you know whenever the the rule of law it, you oh, know, yeah. They, yeah like whenever objectively you should release it then release it don't that's like that's I, 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 think that, I, I think that actually ties into a little bit the 
the inspector general's report on the FBI were like the you know the right wing tried to spin this as like some bullshit about like oh the FBI is like biased towards Hillary Clinton but it was stupid because the FBI was also biased towards fucking Trump and trying exactly. to tor- torpedo Hillary Clinton but like I, I think one of the lessons from that era was don't think about the electoral ramifications as Comey did he actually like him making that statement like a week before the election was it was a cover your ass moment it was like oh Hillary Clinton's probably gonna win so I should probably say this thing about Anthony Weiner's fucking laptop or something uh which had terrible you know uh, you know repercussions to it so I, I think Bob Mueller seems like a type of guy that like he'll prosecute the case as it goes along you know like at the at the right time they'll you know issue subpoenas or indictments or whatever uh yeah and and it's best for law enforcement in general to not be thinking about like you know what when is the next election like what you know what should i be worried about like who's going to be the next president who's going to be the next congress like yeah they should just like proceed in a really investigative fashion i think oh absolutely although a part of me and wishes that out of spite they released them just before the election in the same way that Comey tipped the scales for Trump by, you know, releasing the the memo that said they're reopening the uh, Hillary Clinton uh, email investigation just just to fuck with Trump just a little bit. But that could just be me being uh, being petty there, Rahul. Um, <laughs> no harm speak, in that. Speak, speaking of being petty uh, and downright uh, immoral, Rahul, should we transition into the um, the controversy that that you know, exploded this week. It's a longstanding practice uh, for ICE uh, to separate um, parents from their children at the border. Yeah, uh, I think this was something that was like, I think for for a lot of us, for a lot of our listeners, um, this was something that like hits to the core kind of morally or like in your heart a little bit. Um, Yeah, news has been surfacing in the recent weeks that... um, ICE, which already I think we've known has been like a really like a secret police like detainment force against immigrants that is kind of dark and evil. Uh, in, in addition to just like you know raiding houses and taking people you know uh, immigrants away in the middle of the night, and also in, in cases also not even checking on their you know uh, on their or w- when they approach somebody not even checking on their. Uh, not even assuming they might be American, but like instead just like asking every person they see of Hispanic descent, like, let me see your papers, like in, in almost like a fucking Nazi fashion. Uh, beyond that, um, it's been reported that there are these detention facilities where when people get uh, caught at the border, it, you know, undocumented immigrants come to the border, their children are stripped away from them. And there are now detention facilities of, of children um and it's you know i i think it sounds very dystopian where uh, apparently you know there's a there's an abandoned walmart facility somewhere in texas where um children are being kind of like kept in cages and shit and uh tent cities uh, are being formed also in, in in texas and other places along the border uh and tent cities also that that phrase that should evoke joe arpaio the dude who uh trump pardoned who had been like kind of really inhumanely treating you know um hispanic people um it's it's kind of unconscionable um the idea that you know not only 
is our policy towards people trying to come to the country so inhumane, but that when someone comes to the border and they're or or, or they're or they're detained for immigration status and their child is ripped from them, sometimes deceptively. There there are times apparently reported where um, you know, the parent is told like the child's gonna be taken for a bath or something. And then it turns out a couple hours later, like you're never going to see that kid again. Um, it's like, it's unconscionable and it's like immoral. Uh, it's, it's so horrible. Um, but yeah, Tark, before I want to, uh, I, yeah. I want to hear your reactions on this, but um, actually, no, yeah. Yeah. Tark, what, what do you think? I think this is just like, it, it's heartbreaking. It, it is really heartbreaking. And I, I was listening to, um, uh, cardinal timothy doolin on cnn who is the the catholic cardinal for the united states um and and you know it's not often that that i will i'll quote things that um that religious people you know like you know bishops and cardinals say in relation to politics uh but this one just spoke to me uh he said that it's unjust unbiblical and un-american there could be no bible passage that would that would justify that and that's in response to Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States, the man who heads up the Department of Justice, which is the government agency charged with enforcing the laws of the United States, who quoted a Bible verse this week to defend the practice of ripping children from their parents at the border. So it's 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 egregious, you know, Rahul. Um, and you know, I, I think the other the other thing that comes to mind. Um, and I agree with this statement wholeheartedly is Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, said that the Republicans are using grief, tears and pain of these children as mortar to build their wall. And those are my those are my thoughts, you know, in in a couple in a couple of quotes, because I'm not only appalled by the practice, but I'm appalled, appalled by the effort to justify it by quoting the Bible um, and trying to you know, justify an immoral act by using religion, um, which mm-hmm. has, which, which has no role in this at all because of separation of church and state. So it's just it's so fucked up on so many levels. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll add two things here. Um, yeah. Again, I, I think it's just, this is just like a heartbreaking situation that we're, you know, seeing a secret police basically like rip away children from their parents. But um, yeah, on the on the subject you mentioned, like, uh, yeah, Jeff Sessions mentioned this Bible quote uh, about, the, I think the Bible quote that uh, Jeff Sessions mentioned and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders kind of, like, validated was something, it was basically along the lines of, like, laws are made for a reason, so you need to enforce the laws, which, uh, I, even as someone, I'm I'm not a Christian, you're not a Christian, like, I, I, I don't have that much familiar with the Bible in, in detail, but, like, wasn't fucking Jesus, like, against the law, like, at that time? Like, Pontius, Pontius, Pontius Pilate was enforcing the law in killing Jesus, so th- the idea to say, like, hey, I'm just following the law, like, the, and fucking Nazis did that, too, like, the idea that at Nuremberg and stuff, yeah. so I think that's a stupid kind of type of Bible verse to ins- uh, to cite. However, um, Stephen Colbert, a uh, friend of the show, uh, yeah, he, he, he mentioned on his show, like, uh, in response to this idea that like, oh, Jeff Sessions used this Bible verse to talk about, um, about the situation, Stephen Colbert, who's also famously Catholic, 
he responded with a, a verse from Romans 13.10 that says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, so I think there's like, oh. there's, pl- there's plenty in the Bible that like uh, counter, you know, it's a, as a counterpoint to, you know, this like hateful behavior. Um, but, but I do want to add as we, as we close out this topic, I think, I think it's all, it's all very, I, I think it's sad and reprehensible. And one thing I do want to, you know, call out, you, you mentioned like the tactic of using this in order to create leverage unlike some other, you know, you know, the, the wall or something. Um, it's incredibly cynical, but it reminds me of, I, I think like there, there've been a lot of fictional shows or movies and such where like a character encounters like, you know, a sorcerer or, uh, or the devil or something, you know, so some sort of like skeptic, you know, so, someone, a dubious, like mystical creature. And they say, I wish for this, like, I wish to be young forever. And then they give you they give you that wish, but it's like not the way you expected, like some Twilight Zone type of thing where like, I wish to be young forever, but instead everyone else is a thousand years old and you progress your life in the same way. So you're younger than everyone, but I don't know, life sucks and all your friends are dead. You know, um, I, I feel like th- this might be happening for us on the left right now where um, we like Democrats have fought hard on, on DACA, the idea that like, like children should not be punished for the, you know, the, the immigration actions of their parents. If they're born here, they should be given a chance. Like, you know, um, it's spoken just from a general place of humanity, like give, give everyone a chance, like be nice to everyone, you know, so don't punish these kids where, all right, maybe, you know, their parents came here in an undocumented fashion, like don't punish the kids. And instead, the fucking like demons of the Trump administration, particularly like Stephen Miller, who apparently spearheaded this initiative, uh, basically said like, "Well, if they want to, basically if they want to say that, well, take the fucking kids away, you know, throw them a fucking jail cell, like toss yeah. them into the foster system." Uh, you, you, like you liberal, like it's it's another like they want to own the libs, you know, they want to say like. Oh, okay, great. We're going to throw out all the parents, and then you have a fucking bunch of like little baby Mexicans running around with no protection, and like they're going to end up in a shitty situation. So, like, is that what you want, Libs? So, I, I feel like that's what's going on. It's here. the ultimate. It's the ultimate troll move, and it's immoral. And it, it, it's also like I'm so glad you mentioned, like you alluded to, sort of Nazis and the Gestapo, because that's exactly what it feels like. And it's not um, fear-mongering or hyperbolic to draw parallels with the secret police and the Gestapo. Like, when you see videos of ICE agents going up to people on Greyhound buses in the United States and forcing you to produce documentation that you are a citizen. I mean, I don't walk around with my passport every day. And, you know... um, uh, what 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 are they? What can I do in that kind of a scenario where, where they they would come up? They could come up to me or anyone else and say, "Okay, like show us, prove to me that you're a citizen, uh, or I will detain you." That's that that's that is frightening. It's fucking frightening. Uh, and there's nobody 
really on the Republican side who is standing up for this. And Mark Sanford Rahul, who is the governor of um, South Carolina, former governor, uh, he was primaried and he lost because he criticized, you know, Trump. And there's a state of, of fear here. And Trump feels like he can do whatever he wants and that the, you know, ICE is the is the SS. But you, you know what? They're acting like it in many ways. Um, so it, it's it's absolutely frightening um, to, to see how people. And uh, last thing on this, Rahul, before we go on to Clan of the Week, um, Mar cited this as well. But apparently a majority of Republicans were when polled responded that they would support postponing the 2020 presidential election um, if if Trump said so. And that is frightening, okay, that a majority of Republicans would support postponing a presidential election if the president said that it were needed for, for you know, security reasons or, 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 or something like that. Um, because that goes to show you that it's just normalized. You know, like Trump feels like he can do whatever he wants Giuliani went on TV and said that Trump could shoot James Comey and he couldn't be indicted for it that's terrifying that they feel like they can go on TV and and talk about shooting their political um, enemies and and being and, and then like laughing about it saying yeah well but you know what you can't indict me I can pardon myself it's it's Rahul, they're they're getting more and more brazen by the day uh, and it's terrifying um, to, to me. And I think it's terrifying yeah. to a lot of Americans. It's, it's very terrifying. And um, I think, I don't think we should, I, I think you and I differ on this. I think you're more on the more optimistic about impeachment and stuff, but I'm, I feel like we, we just need to win. We need a fucking win in November, 2018, you know, November, 2019. I don't know if there's some governor's races that are going on every single fucking election. We need to be voting uh, consistently and strongly and passionately. Uh, I, I think the only way to win. Like, yeah. I, I know that Bill Maher said like, uh, uh, you know, maybe if, if Trump loses, he probably won't concede, but I, I think that's the only way we, we don't, we're not going to win this in some sort of like technicality from like a, you know, court ruling or, you know, an indictment or something. We, we just have to, we have to win the country back and then, and progress further into the 21st century. Amen to that. And that brings us to speaking about progressing. Um, we're regressing by talking about the clowns of the week in the sense that um, these clowns are regressive uh, and, and our listeners and ourselves are progressive. Um, Rahul, who are you going to nominate this week for for your clan of the week? I'm going to nominate our our homegirl uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, so so I, I think for several reasons. Um, number one, I mean she's a fucking liar in general, um, and also uh, there, there are several reasons. Um, when confronted about the topic of separating children from their parents. Uh, there, there was quite of a, a, a testy kind of, I think, uh, exchange within the in the in the White House press office um, or press conference when when it was going on. Um, apparently, let's see, let's see, let's see the phrasing here. Um, 
So, so Jeff, what Jeff Sessions had said initially was, I would cite to you the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has or, ordained them for the purpose of order. Uh, and um, but, but there are many like contradicting passages to it, including you know what, what I mentioned that Stephen Colbert said. There's also uh, in Romans 12, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And Jim Acosta of CNN said, where in the Bible does it say that it's moral to take children away from their mothers? Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, I'm not aware of the attorney general's comments or what uh, he would be referencing. I can say that it is very biblical to enforce the law. Uh, and there was a wow. bit of a, ba- yeah, there was a bit of a, that sounded very totalitarian there where it's like, Yo, yo, like God just says, like what I say, you know, you obey the fucking law, bitch. Uh, and uh, th- there was kind of a back and forth there. And there was kind of a, a back and forth that, you know, included, I think, Jim Acosta or another reporter injecting, come on, Sarah, you're a parent. Don't you have uh, any empathy for what these people are going through? And then she kind of deflected saying like, settle down. This is like stupid. I'm going to answer like a different question or something. Um, but on on top of her just generally being a liar and a deflector and like a, a propagandist for the administration, uh, news has come out that apparently she's planning on leaving the White House like sometime this year. So I don't know. Um, that That's but, biblical. That's biblical justice right there. Robert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> She, she's been lying her ass off like forever and uh, now wants to bounce, you know, Sean Spicer style. And, uh, hey, don't let the door hit your ass out on the way out. All right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I saw that that exchange with Acosta and also the other reporter who stood up and was like kind of effectively like saying, like, are you are you ashamed of yourself, Sarah? Like, come on, you know, like you're a parent because it, it's, you know, someone who is a parent should empathize with parents who had their children ripped away from them. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing to say, Oh, they broke the law. We're going to detain them. It's a complete other thing to say, Oh, we're going to detain them and detain their children uh, who have nowhere else to go. Right. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a clown. And I, I did, I did get some pleasure Rahul, out of all these leaks that are coming out about her um, that, that continue. Um, w- w- and, the fact that she's leaving um, makes me feel really good on the inside. So, yes, yeah, she—I I, would—I would support that nomination, Rahul. Um, I'm going to nominate your man, um, uh, Paul Manafort. Your okay? boy, your boy, Mr. Manafort, um, who is probably the filthiest man to ever serve as a campaign chairman. And when I say filthy, I mean literally, he is abs- absorbed all of the filth of illegal political contributions, illegal political actions, lobbying, tax evasion, doing the Kremlin's dirty work, working for Trump for 49 days, uh, sorry, 144 days. Um, and, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the guy who, um, who is going to jail. He was Trump's campaign chairman during some of the most pivotal, pivotal, I keep saying pivotable, pivotal moments of the campaign Um, again for 144 days. And now he's going to jail for 90 days awaiting trial 
for witness tampering um, because he can't seem to keep his foldering to himself, Rahul. Um, and I, re- I know I mentioned this earlier, but I really love the fact that the judge said this isn't middle school. Um, he, he may do this again. I can't take his phone away from him because he can't be trusted. And he, and he tried to appeal to the heartstrings. Apparently, he was being pulled away into the back of the courthouse. Um, he gestured longingly to his wife um, who, come on, you know, Paul, you had to know that what you were doing was, was illegal uh, and that you were going to end up in jail. And if you didn't say your goodbyes to your wife before you walked into that courtroom, then you really are as big of a moron as they say you are. Um, So the only, I think, uh, people here who uh, don't think Manafort is a clown of the week is Trump, who thinks that it was really unfair that that they uh, that they've put Manafort in jail uh, and he's not able to await trial from his home. So, you know, Paul Manafort, Rahul, is is the clown of the week in my eyes. Um, And the fact that he was the first of hopefully many to be indicted uh, and to be locked up for their role in the um, in the in the Trump campaign and for their illegal activities uh, is is something that is is exceptionally clownish. I agree. I think uh, he's sitting in jail right now. And you mentioned like he was like waving bye to his wife. And, you know, I, I want to wave to him. Bitch, bye. You know, <laughs> enjoy bye, your time. Felicia. In, yeah, bye, Felicia. Enjoy your time in the slammer. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So w- would you agree with me uh, that he's clown of the week? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So hear ye, hear ye. Clown of the week is Paul Manafort. Uh, case closed. Uh, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you, close but no cigar. But maybe you'll get Cloud of the Week one more time before you uh, resign. So I'm sure she'll be back. <laughs> anyway, that's our show today, folks. Um, thanks for sticking with us. I know that we uh, we took a few weeks off, um, but we're back and we're better than ever. Uh, and we're going to continue to uh, keep podcasting um, to until the Democrats take back the House and the Senate uh, and Trump ends up. Uh, in the slammer with Paul Manafort. 